I'm Drew. And I'm John. This episode and every future episode is dedicated to the horror hounds and smokers out there who want to expand their knowledge of the genre and have a good time. Uh, Hopefully you missed us last week because we missed you. Uh, Fortunately, John is all better now. I got as many wins over COVID as America has World War wins. You've had COVID more times than anybody. Like you, you're literally like it just bounces off of you at this point. It's crazy. It's just, you're just you're contagious, and that's why people can't be around you. That's it. Like, it just bounces <laughs> off. Of you. Fucking Superman. Anyway, uh, t- today we're talking about Scream Five, uh, and we're gonna gut it like a fish, pun intended. There's uh, there's the good, there's the bad, there's the in between, and there's uh, where we think the series is going. Plus, John's got some really good shit today that we're going to be smoking. Oh, yeah. All that and more today on High, High on, on Horror. Horror interviews, reviews, and the latest news all rolled into one. All right, today I'm bringing that Master Kush. It's uh, from Classics. It's an Indica coming in at 26.91% THC. Damn. Yeah, check out that mugs, though. Yeah, let me see this. Hold on. Oh, damn. It looks like a little Christmas tree. Hold on. Oh, that's lovely. It smells lovely. It doesn't even smell like gassy. It's just like, it just, it just smells like a flower. It smells like a flower. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to try this shit. It has a, like, earthy citrus smell. It says it has hints of incense, but I didn't incense. I guess that's what I'm smelling. I didn't smell the earthy. I said I smelled like potpourri, kind of. So, yeah, it makes sense. Which is often described as a vintage flavor. Uh, It's also known as High Rise, Grandmaster Kush, and I don't know why purple SoCal Master Kush. I don't really see a whole lot of purple in this. Grandmaster Kush is the best name, I think. We'll just keep it at that. And uh, the taste of Master Kush is reminiscent of a famous, it says, hard-rubbed Charas hash. I have no experience with that. Nope. Me neither. The strain holds a superb balance of full-body relaxation without mind-numbing effects. Instead, Master Kush offers a sharpened sensory awareness that can bring out the best of any activity. Well, I mean, I guess it's a good time to try it, huh? Yeah, it's definitely a fucking good time to try it. Hell yeah. Yeah, man, you've been bringing this. You've been bringing that fire lately, bro. Like, I mean, just about like every episode now, you're packing some shit, man. It's nice because like you're, you're having new new flavors every week. Yeah, this is strains. a different dispensary I went to this week. I usually get stuff from a uh, the one by my house. Oh yeah, what? But what? all these uh, all these came uh, pre sealed. Like you mean like they didn't weigh it out in the dispensary? Yeah. Really? Yeah, they just come in these like seven gram bags. Well, damn, that's pretty awesome, dude. I mean, I, uh, I tried a up. little bit of it last night, and uh, that shit fucked me up. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. You texted me, and you were like stumbling your fucking words and text <laughs> yeah, like you were it was drunk. Like I, I put a word in here. I went to correct it and never deleted it. So then I just kept typing, and then the word "bud" just got thrown <laughs> to the end. Yeah, I was like, I think you. Uh, it's funny when you do that. Like I'll, I'll get texts all the time, and I'll just read them correctly. I won't even realize like that there's something out of place until someone points it out to me. I'm like, I'm so used to reading fuck ups that I just brush right over it. Uh, what I've what I've ended up doing is uh, I have Grammarly downloaded to my phone, so that way when I finish typing it out, this goes back and it searches your sentences and goes back and like <laughs> you fucked up here. It's helped a lot, but then sometimes I get too high and I forget about it, so I just don't even use it and yeah. still fuck up anyway. Yeah, I'm sure our producer Josh can account. Back in the days of AIM, him and Kenny used to talk about how much I would just misspell shit. Yeah. 
because I would just type it out and I would never go back and actually read it before yeah, yeah, I yeah. said it. It all came out of my brain, so I know it has to somehow made it on the paper right and usually never did. Well, it's it's funny that you know that you brought that up because I'm actually uh I actually started uh writing again. And um I'm writing, you know, this uh I'm writing I'm writing a, a horror novel. I I don't know if I've oh, told nice. you about this or not, but I got pretty deep into it actually. Like this is this uh <laughs> No, no dirty jokes. This is as deep into anything I've gotten in a while. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, and, you know, I, my, my point in all of this is, you know, that uh, I, I started writing and I, I saw the Grammarly thing. I saw a commercial for it. And I thought about using that as like a helping tool because I'm like, that is really good. But the thing, something that always brings back to me, I can't remember who said it, but somebody uh, said that when you're writing, like you should never use like, have like, like editors are basically useless because the whole point of the story is like, it has to come from your mouth and to like, you need to just say it the way that it comes out and to go back and correct that for grammar reasons is taking your voice away. And I kind of like that. So like when it comes to like writing a book, I'm not going to use Grammarly, but in every other sense of the word, I can totally like see that as just being something I'd use like every day. Well, also you could use it to correct misspelled words too. Well, yeah, that kinda, too. Kind of right. like autocorrect. But yeah, there is the one where like, it does try to change your speech. A lot of times I've noticed and I'm like, no, that, I'm fine with how it came out. <laughs> well, yeah, this shit's fucking good, man. Thank you for bringing this heat. You ready to talk about Scream 5? Hell yeah. All right, let's do it. And now it's time to get into the main reason you're here, Scream. No, not the original one. You know, Scream. Or Scream 22, or Scream 25, or... Like, why the fuck could they just call this Scream 5? <laughs> exactly. Like, did the same thing with fucking Halloween. Like, there's three movies, Halloween. Like, shit's ridiculous. You're not fooling anybody, and this is said in the movie, but you're not. You're not fooling anybody. This, we know that this is not a... It's not a remake, so it's, it's just really ridiculous to go by the same name. Yeah, I mean, it's 25 years after the original series of the murders in Woodsboro... Uh, I mean, because studios need money and <laughs> Scream's a uh, good name. So, you know, people got to die in Woodsboro again. We have a new ghost face emerging. And I mean, what's a Scream movie with uh, without Sydney Prescott? So we got to get her back in. And then, you know, we got to also do like The Force Awakens where uh, we got to introduce everybody. Like, I don't know, dude, like this shit's like the formulas were like, oh, Let's reboot movies. Now, people are getting tired and roll their eyes every time they hear reboots. So, like, let's make a sequel, but tie it to our original franchise of the original one from, like, 30 or 40 years ago. That's like, trying to remake the original. <laughs> but we're going to keep those old characters because we know you'll buy in for that. And then we can slip in these new characters for you. Exactly. And that's where the whole... Uh that's where the whole cash-in comes from. It's like, yeah, if you heard it, there was a new movie just going by Scream without a five at the end, with none of the original cast involved, and it was just all new people, the movie would not have been as popular. Absolutely not have been as popular. That's just it. We'll bring in the old cast so it kind of ties into the original series. That's that's really the only, like, that's the basic point of the movie, basically. Like, the original the movie couldn't exist without the original cast, but at the same time, like, they're the reason that it's that it exists because they have to use them to sell the movie. Yeah, and I mean, it did its job. did did pretty well its first week in the box office. And I will say, I have to give them credit. 
I like the term they use to be meta in this movie, requels. I was going to bring that up, too. sum that up perfectly. I was like, okay, that's a good point. And I I will say also that the uh, directors, uh, Matt Bettinelli Open and Tyler Gillette, uh, they did some fucking smooth camera work with this movie. Like, it goes right with Wes's first four. Yeah, I mean, it definitely felt like Woodsboro, just uh, with very much updated technology. Yeah. I want to know how they look like they look like they're in the poor part of town kind of. But like she has these like security locks on Still her rich. door through yeah. her fo- <laughs> through their like phone. I'm like this doesn't match up with the house you're in. Like how do you have this level of security? Well, uh, well, maybe um, what happened is Woodsboro because of the ghost face killings keep happening. They just like passed a law and made everybody's houses that way. So all the residents got updated security systems. I mean that'd be that that'd be amazing, but I highly doubt that the government gives that much shit about its citizens or civilians. I don't know. It's Woodsboro. It seems like it's supposed to be an upscale. So you think maybe they'd be like, yeah, you know, twenty five years ago some murders happened, so you know what? We're gonna hook you all up with some free locks that are that are electronic, just in <laughs> exactly. case, just in case this shit happens again. I don't see a fault in the logic. All right, so this movie picks up with uh, Tara Carpenter, uh, played by Jenny Ortega. And she answers the phone at the very opening scene of the film. And just like the original Scream, the phone call takes place on a landline, just like uh, Drew Barrymore answered. Um, and uh, Tara... For, for that updated house, they got a landline? Come on. I, th- that was just one of those things they needed to make the movie work, you know? Uh, but uh, so Tara actually escapes Ghostface and survives the attack. It's not a death. And basically, her attack brings back Sam Carpenter, her sister, her estranged sister, played by Melissa Barrera. And uh, Sam basically tells Tara, hey, you know what? I think that uh, uh, these killings are happening because Billy Loomis is my father. They hit you with a curveball that Billy Loomis has a child. And guess what? Skeet Ulrich makes an appearance as Billy Loomis in these sort of like Harry Dexter moments. (laughs) I was going to say, I like... uh... I like ghost. I was gonna say that I like ghost uh, Billy Loomis. Like I like ghost uh, Dexter Daddy. <laughs> I was gonna say, what did you? How did you feel about the de aging? I thought they did really well. Like, there's a lot of times where I was trying to like, like I feel like sometimes uh, what was it? The Irishman. You can see it in the Irishman, but like in just such a short period of time, I feel like they've come a long way. Agreed. Agreed. And and the funny thing is, you know, I just met Skeet in August for your fiance Nicole. I got her autograph. And it's funny because I told, you know, I told my wife, I was like, yo, I'm like, I'm not even going to front with you. Skeet Ulrich's a fucking good looking dude. <laughs> like that dude was fucking good looking. So that I, and I, I'm being real with you. Like that's the honest truth. So I'm like, they really didn't have to do much work to de-age him. I mean, yeah, he's aged, but like, that's part of why it looked good. I don't think they had a very hard job. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, and then I'm. How do you think about Dewey looking like he'd been through a bunch of cage matches? <laughs> well, that's that. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Dewey looking so Dewey looks when like he, he, when he was doing that death wrestling that with uh, CZW. Yeah, it looks yeah. like. Uh, so, yeah. So before, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we're getting to that. We're getting to that. So after uh, Tara is told that her sister Sam is Billy's daughter. Basically, they break apart, and there's this, like, getting to know the characters, as John said, where, you know, like, you get to meet Dewey. Dewey is the first uh, cast member that we see back, and that man is just broken. 
Yeah, and then I mean, he looking pretty rough. He uh he was asked to retire. Yeah. <laughs> his, his marriage to Gail. Gail swallows. <laughs> his marriage to Gail just goes out the window. Uh basically the story goes that uh she got a gig in New York and he left after like two and a half months because he just wanted he just missed Woodsboro. He just left in the middle of the night and threw his marriage to Gail away and now he lives in a trailer and he's a drunk and he's been forced off the police force because like, you know, he's an alcoholic and he's a broken man and he's actually called upon by uh Sam and her boyfriend Richie to basically help them find out who could be attacking Tara because they know it has to be related to the fact that Sam is Billy's daughter. And Dewey gives his opinion on who he thinks it is. Oh, he so does. It's always the boyfriend. <laughs> hey, the first thing he does, how long have you known him? You know, just goes right into all that stuff. And uh, from there, you know, we meet uh, Gail's back, you know, and uh, then, of course, Sydney gets involved. And after a while, basically, long story short, Ghostface kills a bunch of people. And uh, we end up at Stu's house from the first film at a party where the climax happens and we find out who the killers are and it's basically a remake reimagining of the ending of the first scream an updated version yeah and uh i have to say we didn't get a lot of uh nev campbell no she wasn't in the movie she wasn't in the movie um she, she, she kind of had that uh i guess luke wasn't even in the force awakens but uh yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of uh of her. I wonder 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 if she uh really just didn't want to be a part of it anymore. And that's true, but you know, uh the other th- the other thought that I had was that I don't really feel that uh besides David Arquette, which, you know, Dewey, he had the biggest role of of them in the film of the older cast. I feel that uh that was really just a means to <clears throat> I'm sorry. I feel that like you know that none of the cast was really the original cast was in the movie that much because they were trying to make the new movie supported by the younger cast and like i think that they did that i definitely think that like the younger cast carried the movie well and the older cast definitely added to that but they did the movie did not rely on the older cast like for its structure like it definitely was carried by the newer cast they did a good job yeah and uh also uh the stab series is still still ongoing stab eight right yeah yeah they're up to stab eight was like uh Actually, wasn't wasn't Drew Barrymore? I think had a cameo. I'm not. I don't know. If, the, I, I don't know. If Drew, I don't know. But I know that uh, Matthew Lillard played the ghost face with the golden mask. Oh, really? That was his cameo. I saw that. Yeah. Well, I saw he had been petitioning for the longest time that he should be the killer in the new movie, and him and uh, Skeet was like, "Dude, you're dead." And Matthew Lillard said, "I'll throw a TV on my face right now and prove that I can live for it." <laughs> and I don't for a second doubt he would do it. No, I don't either. I don't either. But but uh, I will say that I do like how uh, yeah, Stu and Dewey, Stu and Dewey, no, Stu and uh, Stu and Dewey, <laughs> Stu and Dewey, <laughs> Stu and Billy are brought back in this movie. And even though Stu isn't physically in the movie, his house is a big part of the movie. So like, I think I I liked that aesthetic, so to speak. But all right, so let's get into what we liked. I was going to say movie. Randy has a very loose tie into the movie. He does. Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. Sorry, tell me, what were your likes about the movie? Uh, like I said, I liked the requel thing. Um, I did like that they had that original theme with, like, the bells, which I still swear Peaky Blinders, like, ripped off for their show. Because every time I hear it, I think Peaky Blinders at first. Totally. Totally. I always actually, like, 
Nicole was watching that recently, and I was like, are you watching Peaky Blinders? And I was like, I don't know, you're watching the original Scream. <laughs> uh, I did like uh, that uh, Dewey got Han Solo. He was like their guide, and then at the end, he just he gets killed. <laughs> Han Solo, I get that. That was a good way to put it. That was um, a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, for what I liked, I mean, there's nothing that stood out. It wasn't bad. It was thought it was an okay movie um there was some like it felt like uh when i was watching it there was a lot of times it would make me think of other movies that hospital felt very halloween two-ish like who the hell you know what who the hell is working in there that's what i was gonna say it was fucking desolate and then (laughs) it felt almost like it chapter two where all the adults are coming back like everybody except dewey left Mm -hmm. and now everybody's got to come back to woodsboro to try to stop this um dewey seemed like he was laurie strode ripped out of uh 2018 halloween at first like he's this recluse like "Ah, get away from me and then reluctantly gets involved again the reluctant hero yeah yeah like i said like that hospital just for like pure logic that like who the hell was working in this hospital like nobody and you have somebody was just stabbed and brought there and then attacked again and then you just you're gonna put them on a floor by themselves that seems like the worst idea. Yeah, yeah, it was uh again like just disrespecting police work in this movie, like just making police look like total. I think Woodsboro would have got it together at this point, especially when there's a ghost face killer. Like you think again, again, but um, so yeah, one you know, I I I basically like I don't I guess I agree with you. I don't really have anything in particular that i liked about the movie i will say that like, i was kind of i was smiling throughout the duration because it did bring back like memories and it was very like retro and like definitely put me in that mood of like the first film it was a fun ride i honestly had no idea who the killers were um i, I really didn't like i was i was going back and forth over who i thought they were and my honest answers were i thought who i thought they were it was going to be too on too uh, obvious so i was like that's nah, not going to be them and then of course it ends up being amber and richie you know and uh yeah i thought amber that I was like, they're really pushing Amber. And, uh, yeah, ah, obviously, spoiler alert, those are the killer. But, uh, and Richie is the one that Dewey pegs in the, in the beginning. In the very beginning when he says, yeah, the, it's usually the lover. It's the first thing he says. Yeah. He says something like it's, it's always the boyfriend. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but well, the thing with, the thing with, uh, Amber that I didn't, I didn't suspect her because like she went upstairs to help. She goes upstairs to help Tara get her inhaler. And she comes back down and she's like, she sees that Ghostface had murdered and she's like, I was upstairs with Tara. It was one of you motherfuckers. It was, it's not us. And I was like, oh shit, it's not her. She's right. <laughs> like, you know, it's like they got me. And then literally, like, literally in that same scene, she pulls a gun out and, you know, shoots Liv right in the face. Uh, Liv played by Sonia MR. Just shoots her right in the face. You're like, oh god damn. Like, so I, it was kind of like a curveball. You suspected her, then you didn't, then bam, you like, kind of like what they did with Billy in the first one. But I didn't see either killer coming. I did, honestly didn't predict either one. Uh, Richie, played by Jack Quaid. I told you, I said, I doubt this was their logic, but uh, I felt like he always plays like that wholesome guy and everything, like in the boys and stuff. And I was just like, that'd be the perfect one. No, nobody's going to suspect him because of the characters he plays. Um, but I went back and forth on Amber, but I felt like he was going to be the other one once you get to the point where you're like, okay, there's definitely two of them. Mm. yeah and uh, I, I i i get you totally so so you narrowed it down to a point where you were kind of like thinking like this has to be yeah i'm sure my logic wasn't exactly the way they did that but i got yeah i went back and forth on amber but 
Jack, you were just kind of like unsure of, but you were letting it ride on him. Like, yeah. I'm just going to be, yeah, that makes sense. I ba- get based that. On, based on his body of work in other movies is what <laughs> I suspected him well, um, as a curveball. It, it's funny, though, because uh, Amber's death in the film, which is actually one of my, one of the things that happened with, with her death is one of my dislikes that we'll get into in the next segment. But uh, in her death, uh, she gets shot and she gets hand sanitizer uh, bro- a bottle of hand sanitizer broken over her face, shot in the stomach, and then set on fire from the oven. And it's actually really ironic and really funny because she plays one of the Manson family uh, girls that commits murders, the murders for Manson in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And in that movie, Leonardo DiCaprio sets her on fire with a flamethrower. So then here we are in Scream 5, and she's being set on fire with an oven. Like, she kind of has, has a trend going. Whenever she plays a bad guy, she's I getting set on fire. I wonder if she's done her own flame work. <laughs> At this point, she might as well. I mean, I'm sure she's, you know, getting paid that, that stunt money. You never know. But, um, okay, before we get into, uh, do you have any more? I, I, I want to go into our favorite deaths, but before we do, our favorite death, rather. But before I do, is there any other, like, thing, positives you wanted to say about the movie? I guess I kind of already went into a lot of my negatives. And I only <laughs> really had a couple positives. But... Well, that's the thing. The positive is just kind of like it was, a, it was a decent it was movie. It was decent. a good movie. It's nothing that stood out that was like, oh, that was really good. Or even needed to happen. Everything was nostalgia-wise, yeah. honestly. Agreed, agreed. And yeah, that's what won the movie over. It's like the hardcore fans appreciated it for the nostalgia, where the newer they're trying to hope rope in the newer fans with the newer, younger cast. I'm not newer and younger. I honestly don't follow any of the, no offense to any of them, I don't follow any of the newer people's careers. I don't know anything they're from. So it definitely didn't rope me in from the new cast. So out of the people who went to the movie because of the new cast, I wasn't part of that crowd. I definitely went because Ghostface and Nev Campbell. Yeah, um, well, I like Jack Quaid from The Boys. Right, right. Um, but yeah, like, and also, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the series. I've really liked the first one, and two, three, and four. Whatever. I don't really. Well, I I, I agree with you. I and think... I thought five looked good, and then I remember you told me that how like how quickly it was greenlit, and I said, okay, maybe 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 this will be good, and it was all right. Yeah, and it's I, I agree with you that I think the first film is damn near close to a masterpiece. I truly do. It's it's I, the, the, why the people don't like that movie baffles me. It's so ingenious. It truly is. It's a fucking genius movie. It really is like only someone who's smart and really knows their shit could really write that and write it in that way. And Kevin Williamson killed it. I appreciate the first film like a motherfucker. I always have supported that movie. Two I hated. Three was worse. Four I liked. I really liked four. I thought four was like if they didn't do two and three, they could have just taken all that time off and came back with four and would have been fine. They really didn't need the in betweens. Yeah, I it's kinda kinda like the Matrix for me. I enjoyed the first one and the sequels or whatever. <laughs> all right, well, what's your favorite death in the film? I mean, I can't even remember them. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. There's oh, nothing shit. that I can think of that's like really stood out to me well i like when wes hicks uh son of uh sheriff judy hicks who was in scream 4 um i like when he gets killed in his home after judy gets killed and uh he's getting he gets stabbed in the throat uh, and the yeah, knife like goes and you one. see the knife like coming out the side of his throat i really like because it's just such like a the, the reason i like it is not just because you've seen the knife now going that through you the say neck it, I, 
Yeah, you get I, it? I get it. Yeah, you've seen the knife going through the neck, and you've seen that before. But what's like what what stood out about the scene was that like they actually held on it. It wasn't just like oh shit, the knife went through his neck. It's like the camera sat there, and just like you just watch him bleeding out with this knife in his neck. And I thought that's kind of gruesome. But they could have cut that by like ten seconds. That's true. That's a good one. Um, I tell you what, I did uh, the th- things I didn't like was the killing in daylight. Like, oh yeah, their I, ghost face I, is ballsy. <clears throat> <laughs> so that was a dislike you said yeah or? i didn't i thought i was like no you're supposed to be scared at night like you gotta stop saying your dislikes <laughs> be, what, do, you, do you have a favorite death that's not a dislike <laughs> <laughs> uh when they ended the movie damn <laughs> okay that's a little harsh no but i'd probably go with yours i forgot about that one okay because that one that one was pretty early on too yeah it was before like the third act of the film for sure um all right man so look i'm gonna let you lead go into your dislikes <laughs> oh i mean is it your hit on the bong or mine uh, i'm gonna pull it i'm gonna pull it all right cool it's mine like i said the killings in the daylight i don't think it needed to be two hours long you could have cut that by like an extra 20 minutes uh none of the new characters made me care about them really i mean ever, the, the only that's time, a solid point i didn't even think about that to be honest with you that's I, that's a really solid point like at least uh i know i always go back to force awakens but i feel like it's the first movie it really started this whole trend now um at least they had characters of the new group they brought in that made you kind of care about them. At least one. There's nobody in this group that I'm, I really cared for. They were funny. They, they were, there was a lot of like humor, but yeah, in regards to caring about them, they might, they made you laugh, but they, you didn't care about them. That's true. And again, back to the, the another matrix reference, uh, to, uh, agree with our producer, Josh, I don't see why this movie had to be made. I know I sound really, really negative on it, but I mean, it's not a bad movie. I just... Just unnecessary. It's unnecessary. It was okay. I enjoyed it enough, um, but I don't ever really have interest in watching it again. Yeah. Um, I I, uh, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I don't have interest in watching it again. Um, I will say that like it's definitely like whatever. It's just like with Saul... Um, it's what it's the scream in general. Uh, this is the best way I could put it. Scream, the scream movies in general. Whenever I want to watch a scream, I nine out of ten times just throw the first one on. When I don't, I throw the fourth one on. That ten, that like one out of ten times, it'll be the fourth one. This one is just kind of lumped in the same. Like even when it comes out, I'll buy it and I'll watch it again. But whenever I'm in the mood to watch a scream movie, I'm gonna throw the first one on. It didn't jump the rank or like st- stand up to the par of the first one or anything like that. Um. And the one thing that stood out to me that I was talking to my wife about was after we left the theater, we said, you know, in the theater after it ended and the credits started rolling, yeah, we liked it. That was good. You know, it was, we liked it. But, um, we, I realized that like two days had passed and I had come home from work and taken a shower and put my kids to bed. And I told my wife, I'm like, Hey Sam, you know, like two days have passed and not even in the car ride home. We literally didn't mention the movie at all. Like we didn't like we said what we said about it in the theater before we left that we liked it, but then it was literally just such a rehash that even though it was enjoyable, it was just so forgettable because we we've seen this before like a lot, 
and so it just kind of like went right out like literally just right out the window where it's like life went on as soon as we left the theater and it wasn't intentional because like john said it's a not a bad movie we liked it it's just unfortunately forgettable it's just like it's just like yeah i saw it it's good and yeah i couldn't even remember the killer's names at the like two days later, I was like, I don't even remember like the names of the kids. Like, literally, it just, it, it, like you said, I agree with this. It didn't need to be made. I just feel that it's what we've seen before. Um, and uh, one of the things I wanted to point out to you is how the fuck did Dewey know where they were meeting up at when they all have like the meeting to like find out like who the killer is and interrogate all of Tara's friends? Like, this is like a days or a day after, or even later in the day, like that Dewey shows up at like, what was it? Uh, mindy's house uh and, and that used to be like random like yeah it was i think it was mindy's house well like he just shows up and they're like oh look who decided to show up and i'm like he kicked you all out after telling you that you need to interrogate your friends y'all didn't tell him which friend you were starting with where you all were meeting he did when he showed up you acted surprised so i know you all weren't calling him on the phone and texting him he's super so I'm just, just like a convenient write-in those things are things that i don't like those convenient write-ins where it's just like oh they're there and like people think to not question that well i tend to question that like where did how did he know where they were yeah he shows up but how like come on you could have been like hey dewey's calling me oh yeah we're here you just skip that and just oh the hero shows up and doesn't really work for me doesn't really make sense oh yeah another dislike i mean i get that you're trying to do the requel and be mad about it but like they literally go back to Stu's house yeah well i, I kind of like that aesthetic but i get well, how it could be a downfall too i'm like okay we're gonna do the same thing over again yeah, and well, what uh, speaking of that, when I when I was talking earlier about uh, Amber's death, um, I said there was something I didn't like about it, and it was there's more than one. I've seen the movie twice, and I can't remember the rest of them, but this one stood out particularly into me. There's a couple of really cheesy hero moments that kind of take you out of it, and it's like you know uh, when when Amber because Amber kills Dewey, and I'm gonna get into his death in a second. When Amber kills Dewey, um, you know that makes Courtney Cox want revenge that makes, you know, Gail want revenge. So basically her and, and, uh, Sydney team up to take on Amber and they're, you know, Gail and Sydney are laying on the floor and Amber's hurt and she's about to come at them and Sid just taking their time slow as fuck. Sydney just picks up the gun and goes, uh, and Courtney Cox just reaches out and goes, "No, I got it. I owe her one or something cheesy like that." And this music kicks on, and she grabs the gun <laughs> and she shoots her, and oh, that's when dude. she hits the oven and blows up and gets caught on fire. And I'm like, the little like one liners and like the "No, I got this one" or I, "This one's mine." And like like the bitch, the, she was running at y'all, like she was coming at you, and you're just taking your time, acting cool, just getting up, shrugging off your shoulders and popping. Like you just got shot. Like the 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 way they tried to hero turn everybody into a hero. I didn't enjoy those moments, so I, I didn't like that. It's funny because you talk about <laughs> Dewey being killed and an effect in her. It goes back to my Han Solo reference again. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. They're estranged, then he dies. Uh, I just thought of something, though, I actually did like. Okay. Even though I could <laughs> yes. about Stu's house. The scene where, instead of where Stu or uh, Randy in the original is watching Halloween and doing the behind you behind you she's watching uh stab whatever i guess the original stab movie with the same thing happening i thought that i thought that one was funny yeah yeah it's his uh was it his niece yeah i believe so yeah yeah um and uh well 
And the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, that was it's part of my likes and dislikes. So I just kept it in my dislikes because after I kind of after mulling it over in my head, I ended up weighing it more as a dislike than a like. So Dewey dies in this film. For those of you who don't know, and we've said it a few minutes ago, uh, Dewey dies and they give Dewey his moment. But I'm a little bit salty about it, to be honest. I know that people don't like David Arquette and some people hate the character even. But the truth is he is a lifer. He'd been there from the beginning. And he, we'd seen him go from being the fumbling idiot trying to get Gail to being with her, to being married to her, now to being divorced from her and being a broken man, trying to make a cut. We saw his character arc, and I really appreciated that. Like, he has a really like, – he has, he has a character arc. He has a legit story but to him. Like, the character – the story is told. And um, he dies, and he, he shoots Ghostface gets everybody you know to safety on an elevator and then goes i gotta shoot him in the head though and blip like sends everybody down in the elevator goes back that annoyed me yeah that that, that annoyed me i'm like come on really exactly You're you kind send of every i was like okay well he's dead now that's what i was gonna say that that was the that was the well that's it for dewey that's kind of that was a, that was a dead giveaway but the thing was was him and ghostface had fought like they were there was a real struggle and he even says like not today and gets the best is he best Ghostface he he has his hero moment where he actually kicks Ghostface's ass and shoots him several times in the chest but then like what I just said he, he makes the mistake of coming back and going oh teenagers I, are super power and I guess you know young adults are super powered in Woodsboro and, and he comes back in and uh decides to go for the headshot to end it his phone rings he looks down for half a second Ghostface jumps up stabs him in the stomach with one knife stabs him in the back with another knife and it just kind of like rips the knives up and down his stomach and back and just he bleeds him out and then says you know it was an honor and leaves him there dead and bloody and part of me was like damn they gave him his hero moment where he had his like his story his story arc came to a uh, a climax and he had his hero moment where he finally wasn't the fumbling idiot and fucking stood up for people and like kicked ass and then i thought about him again and then at the end of the movie when you find out it's amber you realize that he got bested by a teenage girl and what? that really bothers me that that's how he went out. Not that I'm sexist. I don't care. Girls can kick ass. I know that there's there's girl there's a plenty of girls that could kick my ass. I would never deny that. But to see this guy, a veteran, a cop, uh, a cop, get his ass whooped and get bested by a teenage girl, that hurts. That just was unnecessary. And I, I would have hold on. You want to interject? I'm gonna let you interject <laughs> real quick. Look, but you said he wasn't being a bumbling idiot. Why'd he check his phone before he shoots somebody in the head that he knows can come back and kill him? Oh, I got a phone call. Let me check this. Hollywood convenience. <laughs> but no, yeah, I guess in a sense, you could say he was an idiot for going for getting off the elevator. But I think that that Get is an idiotic move. Get off the elevator move. and checking his phone. Right, but I think that those were all telltale signs to let us know, like, this was it for him, you know, but the, here was my thing. And I told my sister this and I told my wife Sam this. I'm like, look, when Ghostface killed him i w i wasn't mad at and this is why i had to think about it i was like damn that was a good death he had his hero moment he tried he went out like that's cool like good for him i'm, I'm i like that and then when i realized that it was amber and i was like that kind of disappoints me that he got bested by a teenage girl and then i started thinking i'm like man it would have been so much more poignant and like just like definitive and much more of a better death if both ghost faces were in that hospital could you imagine if you're like fuck yeah and you're rooting for him like you were when you saw the film and he's really about to shoot him in the head no cheesy phone ring to throw him off he's really about to have him and you're like oh my god fuck yeah and then the second ghost face jumps him and stabs him a couple times or starts fighting him and really cuts him up and you're, that would be like a oh, fuck he had him no like you would feel that you would be like god damn it but you didn't feel that in this one you were just like damn that sucks and then you realize damn he got fucked up by a teenage girl like i really am not happy with that i uh i i have to agree with you even though i'm 
not a David Arquette fan. Dewey did have a character arc throughout all those movies. Sydney's ended after the first one, really. <laughs> she just keeps coming back for the same yeah. reasons. Yeah. Well, there's no more real arc to it. <laughs> Maybe that's why she wasn't in the movie that much. <laughs> yeah. So I will say that even though I'm not a big uh, Arquette fan, you uh, you got a point there with him having a character arc through all these movies. Do you agree that you think he should have had a better death for being the character that he was? Probably, yeah. Um, and I mean, like, I, I mean, even Gail, didn't, she ended up in the end going back to what she knew. She just stayed with the news. Like, Dewey told her that and she shows up with her with her news van and he's like you really you brought him and she's like well if i didn't somebody else would have exactly yeah and uh and uh okay so lastly like what i have to say uh like my, in regards to my things that i dislike about the film is the motivation behind the killings i found was completely uninspiring i had heard that this movie was going to be better than scream 4 a lot of people said it was darcy the male girl from joe bob said it was better than scream 4 after watching the movie twice, I have to hard disagree. I think Scream 4 Reigns Supreme is the best sequel. It made the most sense, and the story and the motivation was there for it. It had the right amount of time since the first film to come and take place and tell the story that it did. It was really like the best follow-up to that to the first film. Um, this In this one, the, the killings are because like uh, fucking Richie and Amber are uber fans of the Stab series, and the Stab series has gone to shit. The eighth, see the eighth movie is like a slap in the face to horror fans. So basically, in long term, and long long story short, they're hardcore horror fans who want to commit real murders and recreate like the murders that happened in the first stab movie, or that was inspired by the first that the first stab movie was inspired by. They want to recreate those murders with a new twist to give Hollywood a true story to write about, so they can get the stab series back on track. That to me is weak as fuck as a motivation. Like, like you turned the you turned the you essentially turned the fan base into into the killers. But is that not a dedicated fan base? <laughs> it is the fan base, but also does I mean, this... damn, they're willing to go that far to get their movie back on track. Imagine people start killing people out in the woods to get Friday the Thirteenth back and going. It, it doesn't that kind of make the, the point though? Remember the thing that uh, the thing that said in the first Scream film when it's like you know. Uh, movies don't make psychos psychos like it's i forget the quote like word for word but it's like you yeah, know paraphrase uh, i think i think it was Stu, right yeah he said uh he said movies make killers more creative yeah and I, I feel that like that's kind of this movie basically is saying that like people who watch horror movies can become like uber fans and become killers it's kind of a smack in the face really to horror fans when it's like we fight for that type of bullshit to be censored about like horror movies does not do not make you kill neither does music you're fucked in the head if something you watch or something you listen to makes you kill you should not be that easily influenced there's something wrong with you i'm sorry to say it and i just that that type of shit really pisses me off yeah i it didn't bother me as much but uh i just want to talk to the writers and ask them how they think the story that they wrote moves this franchise's story ahead and I guess you could come back at me and say I am a fan of Friday the 13th and what did any of those movies need after the first one, but I don't know. I feel like there's a little more budget put into the screen movies. but Oh yeah, they're polished, that's for sure. But I just like, what is what did this movie do to move the franchise ahead or move the story ahead? nothing i mean here's the thing it's it's kind of funny uh gail says she, she's gonna she says at the end of the movie that she's gonna write a book about dewey and not the murders that happened she said you know these killers those fuckers can die in anonymity for all that i care and i really just feel that that speaks for like the killers in the movie 
(laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's rough, but that's true. Like, uh, was I think uh, my, my my sister said that she saw because she saw the movie with us. She's like, I can't even remember any of the new characters' names off the top of my head. Yeah, I told you I couldn't remember the killers. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I keep because Jack Quaid. I keep having to remember his name, Richie. <laughs> I kept I kept calling him Huey from his character from in the boys. The boys, yeah, he's good in the boys. But all right, um, my rating, my final rating. All right, let me do it this way. I'm, I'm actually going to give you my rating because these are my these are these, to me. This still was like the third best in the film. I'd still take this film over two and three, so I would I would put it as one, four, and five. So I would do one, nine point five, four, eight, scream twenty twenty two seven hard seven. Uh, oh, so you want do do you, do you want me to do my top? Yeah, three? do your top three and rate them in order. The first one, I give it like a nine point four. Okay. And then like next, a point one put, off. I would put two. Scream two. Yeah. Okay. I would give that like a seven. <laughs> and then, I, I guess three, and that's that's like a six point five. So you're just doing the OG trilogy. You're just yeah. doing okay. So wait, so hold on. Okay, so you so you didn't include the new movie in your new trilogy. You just did the OG yeah, trilogy. So, so wait, so yeah, if the lowest one in your trilogy is a six point five, brother, what does the new screen? What what, like, what it garnish from you? This number's been standing out the whole time. A five point two. Like, oh, it's like out of ten. Damn. It's, it's a middle. Dude, how about what about a five point five? Give it like give it like a halfway point. I don't know if I can go that high. <laughs> Damn. Okay, so I definitely liked it more than you. Yeah, uh, like I, I definitely liked it more than you for sure. Like. But I agree it's forgettable. It's, it's, it sounds bad. Like, it's not bad. I gave it a 5 out of 10. It's okay, but that's all it is. I have no interest in ever seeing it again. It's not like, oh, God, it's so bad. But if somebody puts it on, you're not going to be like, oh, I have to turn it off, right? I, there's there's a lot a lot worse movies I could be forced to watch than Scream 5. Fair enough. It's just, uh, it's stuck to its formula for good or, good or, uh, for better, better or worse. worse. Absolutely. All right, well, um. You know what? We're going to throw in a little... Uh, a little burn and learn. That's right. We're going to throw in a little burn and learn for you. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Oh. Hmm. Burn and learn. David Arquette, who is a certified Bob Ross painting instructor, taught several of the cast members how to paint like the legendary artist during breaks. In the prior Scream films, it's been criticized by fans. They've been criticized by fans for the fact that Dewey never mentions his sister Tatum's death, who's played by Rose McGowan in the first film. So uh, actually in this film, they give her a little nod. We see that he keeps her ashes on the mantle. When Dewey first calls Sydney, he asks, how's Mark? Presumably Mark is Sydney's husband and likely a reference to Detective Mark Kincaid, Patrick Dempsey's character from Scream 3 follow that up although he uh pat mark aka patrick dempsey doesn't appear in the film we learned that what happened to his character in scream 3 was that he ended up marrying sydney as we later hear on the phone that sydney and mark had kids when richie opens the door while tara is hiding in the hospital she hits him over the head with the phone she's holding richie then asks, did you just hit me with a phone in the first scream movie billy hits Stu with the phone foreshadowing that richie is one of the killers uh, David Arquette had to regrow his mustache for this role, uh, for the role of Dewey again, and he was actually like supposedly really excited to do that. <laughs> That's interesting. 
Uh, this is the first Scream film where neither of the killers have a personal motive against Sidney Prescott. It's also the first Scream film not to feature an open-end murder, and the first Scream to spare the open-end victim. The new cast members have all stated that Radio Silence was extremely secretive about the true ending of the film during production to point out that none of the cast knew the final outcome. Actually, all of the different cast members were given different scripts with different endings, so nobody would know. Yeah. And uh, the Ace Stab movie is referred to as the one done by the Knives Out guy and changed up the typical stab formula to include many new and unwelcome changes which you could say about this one maybe as well. And it's a very obvious nod to Ryan Johnson's controversial The Last Jedi. Uh, well, and here's a little interesting fact. It's kind of cool how they timed this. I wish that they would do this with Halloween and actually put it on like the 31st or something, but when Scream 5 was released on January 14th, 2022, it was exactly 25 years and 25 days since the original film came out on December 20th in 1996. And uh, that's all we got here for you on Burn and Learn. And uh, thanks to the horror hounds and smokers out there for tuning in. Thanks for listening to us ramble and ran about Scream. Not, you know, not the original Scream, you know, the, the, the new one. <laughs> maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll call it S25. There you go. And, uh, tune Ghostface next- Killer. <laughs> tune in next week when we talk with Mortuary Collection director Ryan Spindell. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at High on Horror 420. Go to our website, highonhorror.com, and you can sign up for our newsletter and get upcoming guest announcements and episodes delivered directly to your inbox. And you can always email us as well at highonhorror420 at gmail.com. Well, that'll about wrap her up. Catch you later. Bye, everybody. Bye.